Hello and welcome to today's podcast. It's our great pleasure today to have with us Mike Scruton, who is the Director of Print Technology and Strategy at Adobe. Mike, hello and thank you so much for an early morning wake up this morning over, uh, in, uh, over in America. <laughs> you're very welcome. It's always sunny in California or something oh, like that. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Green with envy. Oh, Mike, yes, thank you so much so much for joining us today. Um, we have worked together a little bit over the last year on a couple of projects with uh, with Fesper, et cetera, haven't we, which have been very exciting. It's been great to, to see how we can build um, uh, micro factories and actually show people how things can work whole end-to-end from, mm. from design of prints all the way through to manufacture. I think that's one of the very exciting things that we've been able to do at the moment. Yeah, and, and in two days too. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't take any time at all, honest. No, it just it, it is quite incredible these days. It kind of plugs in a bit of tweaking and it works. It's great. Yeah, plug and play. Yeah, new technology. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Okay, let's start. I've got I think I've got nine questions for you today. So they're all um, they're all okay. Nothing too taxing, I don't think. So um, okay. we'll start we'll start with the first one, which um, everybody that's new to the industry would love to know. How did you begin your journey into software with Adobe? Yeah, I've been with Adobe for 22 years this month, which wow. is a very, very, very long time. Um, how did I start with Adobe? Um, I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, I'm dating myself now, you know, reading mm-hmm. about Silicon Valley and all these exciting things that were happening and, and this desktop publishing thing that was happening and PostScript and all that sort of thing. And I read about it in magazines. Um, I went off to college and studied computer science. And actually, I was approached by completely at random by a company in Norfolk, uh, in the east of England, who were competing with Adobe in software. And they were looking to hire engineers straight out of college. And you know, I thought this sounded quite interesting. The, the guy who was uh, running the company was good, so I, I applied. And through a series of strange events, um, yeah. company com- management buyouts and company acquisitions, um, Adobe came looking for a, a software team in Europe. Um, in uh, 22 years ago and uh, hired the company that I was running, um, put all the engineers to work on Adobe stuff and, and the rest is history. Um, so it's, uh, it was by evolution. So I never really believed that I'd be working for Adobe, nor frankly now, <laughs> uh, all these years <laughs> later, living in Silicon Valley, um, living the life, um, re- living amongst the people that I was reading about in my childhood magazines. It sounds a little bit sort of boys own from the 1950s, but I guess in reality, maybe it is. It is interesting though, isn't it? Because we all can all, all try and plot our paths early in life, but really it's the people that you meet, the conversations that they have. Things are just sometimes driven, aren't they, in a, in a format that you can't control. But if you work hard, you, you benefit from all of them. Right, and, and, and do what you love. I've been fortunate enough to, to do stuff yeah. I, I've enjoyed doing and love doing for, for my entire career. My wife teases me that uh, I've never actually ever applied for a job, and that's that's possibly <laughs> a slight stretch of the truth. But <laughs> but these things, you know, as you say, you build these relationships, you know, people, yeah. you build the trust, you find people you want to work with, you follow your passions, and unfortunately, that's got me where I am now. I know yeah. it doesn't work out for everybody, and I would I would scream at my kids if I tried to do the same thing. <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah. but, it's but, interesting. But, I'm exactly the same, actually. I've never applied for a job apart from my very first one. And then right. beyond beyond that, my journey has just been, as you say, it's just been a journey of passion, really, and, and an excitement and a love for, for the industry. 
Yeah. Now my kids will probably hear this podcast, so actually, well, they, 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 I have to correct myself. They actually know they're following their passions as well, oh, <laughs> uh, and, and we encourage them to do the same thing. And, and uh, yeah, I'm fortunate enough that it, it's uh, we've I've had a good career so far, and uh, met a lot of exciting people, and done a lot of exciting things. So it's it's been good. Oh, that's great. So tell us, what's the best the best thing about living and working in California? When did you move over there, Mike? We moved here 12 years ago. Um, my boss asked me if I would go and run a particular team at our headquarters, which are in San Jose, for California. Um, uh, we did that. We thought it would be for three years. Um, and 12 years later, we're still here. Um, so um, and going strong. Um, what's the best thing about living here? Um, the weather is good year round. Um, um, now, we never had any problems with weather living in Europe and living in, in, uh, in Norfolk, um, but I, I don't do cold very well. <laughs> I don't tend to get cold here. Um, if I do, it's because the temperatures got dropped below 15 degrees centigrade, and, and that, that counts as cold around here. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, the Bay Area is a fabulous place to live. It, it's uh, California, if people haven't been to California, I'd hardly recommend it. It's completely different to the rest of the United States, and the Bay Area is completely different to the rest of California. So it's, it's difficult to generalize, but the weather is good. It never gets too hot, never gets too cold, um, and there's a ton of stuff here whatever you like, whether it's, you know, whether it's work, whether it's technology, uh, whether it's the outdoors, um, everything's at your doorstep. So I'm very, very lucky and fortunate to be here. And like you say, with those seasons, the season that just spreads across the whole year, available all the time. Yeah, we have very hot and we have mildly hot and we have um, hot with a little bit of rain every now and again. So, um, yeah, we have seasons. It's Aww, good. <laughs> and we were just talking off air, actually. What's the worst thing? Is it the traffic, do you think? Traffic is is getting quite bad here at the moment. Um, I had to drive the other side of San Francisco yesterday from my home, and it took me four hours to get home. Um, which, but then you can do that anywhere in the world, right? It, that's exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, but, and it's not actually as bad in 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 the Northern California as it is in other parts of the states as well. So, I uh, I can't complain. <laughs> We're green with envy, definitely yeah. green with envy. Oh, Mike, uh, next question. Adobe spawned a new generation of CAD CAM back in the 80s, early 90s, actually. What's your standout moment of the last 25 years? Hmm, 25 years. Mm. Well, it's about as long as I've been married, so um, it makes it easy. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, yes, anniversary this week. Um, I think probably what it is, and it's... it's yeah, um, Adobe is is credited with spawning the desktop publishing revolution in the in the eighties, which is a little bit more than twenty five years. But um, the idea that we can do stuff with computers, right, is was relatively new twenty five thirty five years ago. We were just getting into that sort of thing. It was one thing to do things with computers, but I think that what what's really uh, changed the world that we're working in. Um, in the last 25 years is the connectivity, you know, how, how we bring people's tasks closer together. You know, that might be because the software is more, now more interchangeable, um, that you can, you know, open a file created to one program in a different program, or you can work with across a Mac and a PC. You know, 25 years ago, the thought of creating a file on a Mac, we're well, never going to open that on a PC, right? Or vice yeah, versa. It's um, <laughs> exactly. So, so a lot of these walls have come down. Um, I would say PDF and the fact that we've got a file format now which we can move between applications and particularly when it comes to production. 
um, that we can create a reliable digital version of a, something that we want to print or make on, on a machine and then take that PDF all the way through a production workflow. We do this a lot in commercial printing. You know, the PDF you create on your desktop uh, in your office is, is exactly the same file that gets printed at a print site um, to create hundreds or thousands of, of impressions of that particular thing without the need for a, a bunch of people you know, fixing yeah. or changing that Experts. file all the way yeah. to work. exactly. Yeah. So, so that I think is 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 quite a big revolution that and which it brings with it a lot of challenges because you've got to make sure you're you're meeting the needs or the expectations of original designer um, when we are in manufacture. But the fact that we can actually capture the intentions of the designer and, and also realise those those intentions of manufacturing, I think is was a big win. Um, in the textile space, I think we're still trying to catch up some with where we are in the let's say the commercial printing space mm-hmm. um, we're still at the stage where um, uh, uh, whether we're printing you know locally or we're sending our work out to factories and mills there's still a lot of hands-on manipulation of the files we have to fix or change or make adjustments to before we can make so we haven't quite achieved but I guess um, that's because the graphic which, the graphics industry was the first to the first to the party for digital disruption weren't they really in the graphics yeah, industry and to be honest, it was the newspapers, you know, exactly. the, in, yeah. in, in, in the, the newspapers. And, and let's go think about the UK and, and the move from um, from Fleet Street out to Wapping in the in the in the late 80s that we saw. Um, that was that was high, though highly controversial at the time, you know, moving the digital technology allowed us to do that. But newsprint was a was a is an industry, of course, where you write the story today and you need to print it tonight so that people can read it tomorrow morning mm-hmm. laughable and now in the times of the internet and and reading stuff online and twitter and everything else but it was the need to bring down production cycles massively that led to the adoption of this technology for newsprint um now it's got so fast that we literally can report you know one second and share it with people thousands and thousands of miles away you know mere seconds later that's, that's true because equally you know just as much as now we're so connected in in everything that we do in our daily lives whatever the function is really we can create a textile design on our phone and as you say send that remotely wirelessly to all of our devices wherever they are and right. in, this, in the same way for the news industry you know you see you know there's quite a few classic skype conversations that are recorded on video etc aren't there with uh, with the news but as you say everything is totally instant and in you know and very professionally done too right and i think this is one of the big opportunities that the textile and um and apparel and manufacturing industries have is you know what lessons can be learned uh using very adjacent technologies and and, mm-hmm. and solutions and and tips and tricks quite frankly you know how can we do that because i speak to a lot of people in uh in uh, retail fashion and they talk about you know for a number of months or weeks it takes to um take a design and, and put it into production you know our, our designers when you visit brands today they're, they're designing for 2020 or even 2021 mm-hmm. and they're doing that partly because you know the manufacturing process um has a lot of time built into it and and i think one of the things we, we've seen is is technology helping to bring down those times i spoke yeah. to somebody the other day who said that you know we have the technology now to you know squeeze all of the uh, all of the all of the, the slack out of the stone which is manufacturing and and now what we're trying to, to squeeze is how can we make the design process more efficient as well so that it can actually now fit 
the fact the efficiencies but we can actually achieve in manufacturing so it, it's it's always a progression but you know the standout moment i think this acceleration of of timelines that we've used with te- various different technologies is probably the key thing yeah, it's quite, it's, yeah it is actually incredible and i guess from from a software kind of techie kind of side the application the, the actual end application is is a series of commands isn't it so you can see why from the going back to the newspaper side of um, the graphics world the application for textiles will be, be a much 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 quicker process won't it because you've already got that architecture in the background for yep. the graphics industry so it's going to be a, the the digital disruption is going to take place much quicker I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's what we'll be see, what's going to be exciting over the next five, ten, five to ten years is to see exactly how that plays out. Mm, that's great. So, Luke, we've led in, haven't we? So tell me all about Textile Designer, which is um, a new software from Adobe for the design industry. Yes, Adobe Textile Designer is my mm-hmm. is my current little project that we're, where we're working on. Yes, it's uh, it's been extremely exciting. We've been rolling out around the world for the last, feels like about a year now. We're in public beta <laughs> um, and uh, Textile Designer is available now. You can download it, adobe.com forward slash go forward slash Textile Designer. There, got the plugin. Um, and it's basically yeah, some software that, that <laughs> we've, okay. we've created for um, users of Adobe Photoshop to make the process of designing prints much, much easier, much more efficient. Um, mm-hmm. Designers seem to like it because they can stay within the application that they're used to and use all the regular features. Um, but we make it super easy for them to create uh, repeating prints, You know, take their designs or their scans or their artwork. Maybe it was hand-drawn. Maybe they've scanned it into a computer and turn them into repeating prints and then work within that to actually start thinking about the manufacturing of the production colors that you want to use. What are the colorways? What are the color standards you want to use? How can you reduce the number of colors and build up colorways and alternate colorways? Um, so you can refine your design and then eventually ship it off to, to manufacturing. So we're trying to reduce the amount of time um, that um, people are spending uh, on, on some of these more repetitive tasks, you know, get the software out of the way so they can focus on the beautiful designs that they're making uh, rather, yeah. than pro- rather than those commands, you know, having to issue those commands themselves. Yeah, it's interesting as well, isn't it, as the world becomes more and more freelance as well, that in, in utilising a, a one, one, you know, very strong software, you are making the, the application so much easier because the, the, the data is transferring in one format throughout an industry. Yeah, with embedded encrypted data um, so it, it allows everybody to be to be much much more versatile and the whole chain to move so much quicker yeah I'm seeing a lot of increase in the number of freelancers out there I'm seeing a lot mm. a lot of increase in the in the growth of small studios where yes. you know a, a group of friends maybe they were college friends maybe they studied um, designed together at college or or, uh, or, or they come together from other groups and are banding together and then creating designs and selling their wares. I met, I was at Premier Vision in Paris a couple of weeks ago. Not Paris, it was New York a couple of weeks ago. Paris next. Yeah. <laughs> Paris is next. Yes, that's the next thing on the, on the passport. Yeah. Um, the uh, I met a couple of designers there. They've got they've got their own little uh, studio. They're based in Germany, um, and um, they are. <laughs> They, they, they approached me actually said oh we're using adobe textile designer we're great fans it's like oh that's great and they said everything everything on our booth was created using adobe textile designer all right wow. so now i'm thinking okay all right what's this how is conversation going and and they they really liked it they, they they literally have been able to create their entire season's designs using textile designer and i said to them well you know what is it you like and they said well actually it's made us more efficient 
I said, oh, right, how, how much more efficient? I said, well, you know, stuff that would take us, stuff that would take us four hours, we can do in an hour. You know, stuff we, we might have taken, a task we might have taken 30 minutes, I can do in two minutes. Wow. And I, and I said, okay, so that means, right, Thursday, Friday, you go to the beach and, and take the day off. And they said, well, no, 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 we make a lot more designs. And, yeah, you know, make more work. It gives you, <laughs> gives you, yeah, it gives you your creativity back. It's incredible. Right. It, 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 exactly. And this is what they seem to like, is it's given them their creativity back. But the, here they were, a, a small studio uh, exhibiting at Premier Vision in New York, you know, in the middle of the fashion district, um, showing their designs and selling their designs to, you know, all those major fashion chains that are, uh, that are, that are designing in New York. And it, and it was it was liberating for them. That's great. Um, you all, you also, yeah, you also see a lot of the um, a lot of the entrepreneurial studios now. In the past, they'd have always had um, a printer to print a AO um, designs, but quite often now they're actually um, buying into the entry level digital textile machines and they're actually printing their own samples too, which is amazing, which is absolutely fantastic. It just unlocks the whole marketplace. Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely, and, and and you know the fact that you could even you know build you know. Cut that up. Build build your own um, build your own samples as well. Um, you know we've still got lots of talent available of people who can who can sew and and make stuff. Um, and the ability for a small studio to have their own um, not just their own prints, but now their own designs to to show off those those prints is is tremendous. Yeah, it makes tiny companies huge. It just, it just opens. It does. Up. It unlocks the whole world because they have all of that important data and all of the means to to trade at their fingertips. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, even just so far as um, controlling color, etc., by being able to embed data within the files that they create in their studio, they can work really closely with their end client, the mill, to actually generate the correct files that are production ready as a freelancer in the past that would have only been possible working within a brand in a mill right right and this is one of the this is one of the areas that we, we, we've been seeing and, and one of the reasons that led us to create textile designer in the first place you know there there are tools out there which can do this some of them don't do it <clears throat> as efficiently as, as maybe we're used to you know in the graphic art space so oh. you know, the idea of putting the definition about the colors that you want to use actually into the file itself uh, so that information can flow all the way from you as the designer all the way to whoever's doing the printing, whether it's, as you say, the small little printer you've got uh, in-house, you know, maybe it's a, a meter, meter and a half wide, or whether it's you're going off, so, off offshore to a mill. It, if you can keep all that information together, you know, the less stuff you have to have on post-it notes, the less you can use, the more you can use standards to define what these colors are, the better chance of people being um, pleased end-to-end. Absolutely. You're building files for the future as well, aren't you? Because the supply chain is going to become more and more trans- transparent and the data that's locked within that design file, which is the start of the journey of any product, uh, becomes becomes the library, doesn't it? It does. It does. We, we, you'll see increasing reference, I think, probably not in the next 12 months, but in you know in two or three years, we'll start talking about spectral data. Uh-huh. Um, in in uh, in our print files, and it's not something we worry about too, too much today. We you know we talk about there are various color standards out there that um, various brands, but which, which I won't mention because we love everybody. Um, <laughs> but um, that define what a color. You know, I've got a, a shade of green here, and what do we call that shade of green? And and there uh, and language that allows us to reproduce that shade of green at multiple sites or in multiple locations or on multiple substrates. You can use a color standard to do that, or you can use spectral data to talk about what is the DNA of this color. 
And if you put that in the file as well, then that becomes un unambiguous in terms of defining, you know, what you expect this color to look like when it's manufactured. Um, and I think that that well could be an interesting thing, but we will see more talk about, you know, in the next three to five years. It's a little bit premature at the moment because it's there's a lot getting the, actually achieving the color is another problem altogether. And I think the, the, the problem of achievability and, and making sure that people know what's achievable in terms of a printed color is a is a yeah, is a another question altogether. Just because that's you can ask podcast. exactly just because you can ask for a color doesn't mean you can have it, right? Yes, so, yeah. but. Um, but I think there'll be there will be uh, changes in this this area in the next few years. And I think that'll be quite exciting. Yeah, you, you, yeah, no, and also I think as well what you're starting to see too is a whole new generation building knowledge about print and textiles too, aren't they? People who had never had to have that in the past, they were just pure creatives. They now have to build their knowledge and um, stretch out and reach out into all of these different things. So I think um, from from my perspective, I see that. I'm not sure you, you may, may may not agree, Mike, that the designer's role over the next five or ten years is changing completely. Uh, totally. And, and and again, we see other par parallels from other industries. I mean, let's use our newsprint example mm. for a moment. You know, a journalist 25 years ago would have called their copy editor on a telephone. It would have been a landline. You wouldn't have had a mobile, <laughs> probably, and would have read the, read their story over the phone. And somebody else would have typed it up and somebody else would put it on a printing press and somebody else would take yep. the photos and somebody would do the final assembly, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Right now, journalists don't do that. You know, they write the story, they take the photographs, they assemble it. They probably even press the button to post it on the website or send it as submitted mm -hmm. to the to the printing news for the newsroom. And textile design, I think, is going to go the same way. You know, rather than having somebody who just, for example, the role of the converter, somebody who takes somebody's design and makes it printable and just does that, you know, may well not, you know, exist in the same way as we know it now in exactly. five years. It becomes an automated process, isn't it? Right. Or, or, or the person that can, does the design effectively does the converting themselves, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe with with the software, maybe they can also, you know, design the garment and put two, the two together and do the visualization and, 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 you know, create the instructions for the cutter. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I think uh, that's, I've seen that change massively over the last few years as well, because from the designer's perspective, they've also had to become um, entrepreneurial uh, marketeers too. So right. you will see that not only are designers out in the market who have their own studios printing their own fabrics now, but in order to print those fabrics or in order to sell the designs for those, they also have to do renders. So they've also become 3D technicians. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and you see that growing and growing and growing. And, and we, were, we were lucky. We had, um, we had both EFI and um, Gemini, didn't we, that we were working with when we were working at Vespro Munich. <laughs> and just looking at the savings that can be achieved by using 3D vision visualizations at the design process it's billions it's huge totally totally and and so it's it's enabling but it shouldn't be scary right because i imagine mm. people could hear here yeah, oh, mike, right. mike and debbie are going on and you know this is a the future it will never change or i don't want to do that <laughs> and that's absolutely fine but you know in, in the same way there will be people who do want to have their own small boutiques you know these yes. fashion designers who are making just prints now or maybe they'd like to expand into doing whole garments you know, why not have, why not create your own garments rather than, um, you know, have somebody else do it? If you've got, you know, somebody or, or, or you've got an aspiration in that direction, you could do that. But at the same time, you know, the same way as, you know, journalists can do the whole thing. But just because like a journalist can do the whole thing doesn't mean we don't have photojournalists today or we don't have, you know, very talented photographers who go out and just take photographs and create beautiful photographs. And there are, there are, there are plenty of people who, you know, just write 
just write the words. They co- just write copy just and do so very well. So it doesn't mean you have to do everything or everybody is going to do everything. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But the fact that people are enabled uh, to do those things. And that's kind of what we were trying to do with Textile Designer as well is, you know, take some stuff which, you know, for some people might be quite difficult or alternatively for skilled people might be time consuming and, and just make it easy for them um, just so they can be efficient. In, in what they're doing yeah. on a regular basis. And, and start at whatever level. I, I've always loved that about Photoshop, actually. I mean, I've never actually had any official training whatsoever. I'm completely self-taught. Um, and it's just, that's that's the absolute joy of it, is that you can begin your journey and expand your journey in whichever direction it needs to go. And as you say, you can start as a beginner or you can go in there as an advanced. Yeah, definitely. And and it's it's up to whatever it is you you, will be, you have in mind. I was at a conference last week speaking amongst um, designers. I'll say young designers because I think they were probably all younger than me. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but these guys, they're all freelancers. Yeah. Uh, they are working with a with a partner. Actually, it was the same partner, and they they submit their designs, and and the, and the partner actually is responsible for the manufacturing. Um, but this brand effectively is. Um, you know, enabling young designers to reach uh, an audience, reach commercial success, um, because they provide the back end and the infrastructure, and they just let the designers get on with designing as freelancers. Now, you can talk about whether or not, you know, how much are these guys making? Do they have benefits? Um, do they have, you know, the ability to determine exactly what gets what their design gets used for? You know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, but and this is just one one um, partner that they have available to them. But you know, for somebody who was wanting to do, let's say, some work on the desi- on the side, or somebody who wants to get back into design, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a great channel for them, and the tools are making it easy. There was one person I spoke to. She's a she's an accountant. She works for a, a world famous chartered accountancy company in New York. Yeah. But her passion was design. You know, she'd been to she'd been to a fashion school, um, um, and so she comes home from being an accountant by day and, and and by night. She sits there on her Mac and she creates these beautiful prints and these and designs, and and that that's her hobby. And she's making a pretty good income, frankly, uh, as a freelancer on the side. <clears throat> and it's it's her passion. It's what she enjoys. You know, could she give up her job as a financial uh, accountant? maybe she wants to do that one day maybe she doesn't um but the 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 easier the tools get the more accessible they get the the more accessible we make our industry to people the bigger opportunities there are for for people to come and 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 follow their passions yeah that's true and you see that more and more in the design industry with so many young designer brands who have who who's Who's, who in the past their future would have been to be able to sell those collections to the mills, but now they they make it making the profits for themselves by using very simple web software to build websites, uploading right, right. their own designs, and then you know hooking into the digital print bureaus to have their products made, and you know they have a brand. It's right. incredible. Yeah, the the world's your oyster, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody's totally. restricted now, and as you say, that comes as you say from your standout moment right at the very beginning, the fact that all of these technologies now can plug together and become seamless to give incredible opportunities for the next generation, I think. Right, right. No, it's, it's really interesting. Um, so how do you see, have you seen much migration between, because everything's unlocking as well, I think I have too, um, between the textiles and the graphic industry within your software? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think um, the edges are getting blurred. 
mm-hmm. uh, between the two. There are definitely people who are who are graphic artists and they're designing for, let's say, print on paper. And yeah. there are, um, be it sign writing or, or brochures or, or whatever. Um, and there, there have traditionally been another group who have been, let's say, textile designers designing prints or designing for apparel and stuff like that. I think where the where the edges are being blurred, firstly, is in terms of the same software being used for both applications, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess Adobe software is is, is partly uh, responsible for that. Um, I think the other thing I've seen as well is is where the products that people are designing tend to blur as well. So, um, and, and I guess what I mean by that is that um, people are creating prints that 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 are that look good. And maybe it would look good on um, a on a blouse or uh, on a shirt or a pair of trousers or on a scarf. Maybe the same design would look nice on curtains or, or bed coverings. Maybe it would look nice on an apron, but maybe it would look nice on uh, a cell phone case. Or maybe That's it would true. look nice on a mug or on a placemat or on a, um, oh, some cases, just a poster hanging on the wall. Yeah. Um, or, or as, as the background texture for um, a desktop on a on a website, or you know, so the fact that the their designs can be repurposed for any number of different applications yeah. is where we're seeing this this land um, this world sort of graying over and, and all yeah. coming together. And, and there's can, plenty. Yeah, that can only happen because it's a digital file. In the land of screens, that can't happen. It's, that can only happen because we're living in a digital world, and it's just unlocked everything, hasn't it? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yes. I mean, and and you know, not to detract, detract from what some very talented people do with screens and would do mm, by oh, hand. Abs- absolutely, and, yeah. Artisanal. Yeah. And I could never do any of those things. No. But um, but from uh, certainly from a freelancer or a designer perspective, um. The, the fact that the manufacturing process has become aligned as well. There are plenty of websites available now where people mm-hmm. can upload their designs and then choose to have them printed on any number of different types of product. Um, and I don't just mean, you know, taking my photo and slick it on a mug, right? Because that's, yeah, anybody yeah, can do that. Yeah. We've, 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 <laughs> done a, we've done a long way. Yeah. Uh, I was I was struck, actually. Here we go. Here's an anecdote. Living in California. Came back to visit the UK for my daughter's graduation last summer, and of course we're going around the Peak District and, and various nice places, and there's nice tea rooms, and there's nice National Trust um, shops selling nice uh, stuff of the made by local artists. Uh-huh. And I couldn't help but be struck by the fact, you know, you have local artists and they have beautiful designs, and they literally were offering those designs on anything from, you know, um, tea towels to uh-huh. oven mitts to placemats to mugs to any number of things. And it, it, it sounds a little bit cheesy. But when you extrapolate that at scale, you know what it what it really tells us is that taking a digital design and making anything with it is relatively straightforward these days. You know, but technology mm-hmm. exists. Totally uh, democratized, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there is definitely um, designers are going back and forth between the textiles and the graphic industry. That's not to say that there's still not a lot to be learnt by really studying and understanding textiles because textiles are very different to putting ink on paper, right? The, the, fa- the fact that, um, you know, we, we drape fabrics. Um, fabrics has a, have a, can have a luster, they have a feel, they have a touch. 
Um, they can be very organic as opposed to something you print on paper. Um, the fact that man-made fibers behave very differently to, to natural fibers when we print on them um, and the colors that we can achieve and what other treatments that we need, we don't have to have all those issues with, with the ink on paper. So there's very definitely differences that have to be, uh, we have to be aware of or we can be aware of. Um, and you know that, that a textile designer will, will will be inherently aware of but it comes back again to trying to describe you know can we capture what is achievable or what the intentions of the designer are and how can we set those expectations realistically for a designer in software so they know that if they ask for this color they're not going to be able to get it when they try and put it on a on a on a silk for example yeah, uh, you, and, you, and, you can do that in a production space, can't you? But you can't you can't do that in general gamut within somebody's screen. Uh, not today. Oh, but this, is where we look, okay. this is where we look to the future, right? And I think this yeah. is we we can we can say we're using the same tools, and we can say we can. Everybody now has a everybody now has a hammer, right? Whatever industry you're in, uh, and I guess you know something like Adobe Photoshop is is a, is akin to that. Like anybody could design for any industry. But then, how do you help them be successful in those industries? How do you allow them to be creative? and yet not be disappointed when you know what they get printed on this particular piece of fabric comes back looking nothing like what they had that's right no, meeting their expectations can be exactly exactly and i think that's that's that while it's possible to move back and forth i think that's where the industry has to catch up to to try and make sure those expectations are set correctly yeah i agree with you and i think sometimes the to start that process rolling, you see it with some of the print bureaus where they have to specify a, a, a select number of bases on which they can achieve, as you say, you know, Nirvana. They, they, can, they can achieve exactly and meet the expectations of the client. But te as you say, textiles is such a massive space and also with so many different sectors, so many different sectors in the in the textile space, going all the way through from home furnishings all the way through to contract and hospital, medical and all the other areas where we're utilising textiles. So I think, as we as we touched on earlier, they're the same application, they're the same processes, different applications, mm -hmm. but utilising technology is all going to get so much smarter and so much quicker. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The, the production for the future, um, which is actually leading on to my next question again. Um, so automated prediction, production is set for huge growth. Um, and we've touched on lots of lots of different reasons for that. But um, what do you think is driving it? What do you think is at the heart of this? And why do you think Adobe software will be critical, more critical than it currently is in the future? I think, I mean, there's lots of ways of just defining um, automated production. Mm -hmm. I, th I think it, it depends where you are in the production process. I mean, I think digital printing for, for, for fabric is definitely going to lead to um, a, a requirement for a lot more automation. Um, the idea that particularly if you are at a, uh, you're, let's say you're, do you're doing contract printing for a bunch of designers, but you're actually, let's say, combining the work of one designer with somebody else. You've got a, a device which is, you know, four meters wide, but on the, you know, you'll do it in channels. So the left hand is one print job for one designer and the right hand part of the fabric is, uh, another job for another designer. The only way you're going to do that and do it fit effectively is by bringing automation in, mm -hmm. uh, into that part of the manufacturing process. Um, and we have experience from, from the past, again, back to commercial printing. You know, people are used to doing this. We print business cards. You don't print just one person's business card on a very large sheet and then cut them up. You know, you combine lots of people's business cards and you print a thousand of them. Uh, and then you cut them in and put them in little stacks. 
and and I think the same sort of thing will will inevitably come because it will be if if you don't automate digital processes, you're actually no more efficient than you were probably were using a, a screen print. Okay, there might be less wastage because you don't have the extra time to ing to um, uh, to um, apply a screen uh, or a design to a particular screen or to put stuff on a roller, um, but the the actual task of preparing the work could be uh, as inefficient digitally if you don't try and bring some automation into the process as well. Um, uh, where do we pay a role at Adobe? Well, we, we do have experience in this whole end-to-end -end workflow from what we've done in other industries. I think in the short term where the benefits really are you know, in terms of making sure we are capturing that designer's intent in the file, which is what we do yeah. in, in textile designer, and making that same information available downstream to the person at the mill in the same file so that you know, rather than, for example, you've created a design on your computer and it's a... Uh, it's a 60 centimeter repeat with a half drop and I'm using these precise six colors, right? Normally the fact that that was meant to be a half drop and these are the exact six colors I'm using, you know, you'd put that on a post-it note or you put that in the accompanying email or you'd fill that out on the web form to accompany your design. Yeah. And, and it gets lost and mistakes are made and somebody has to transcribe it. We can put all that information into the design file at the point that it's being designed. And so when it gets to the production site or the printer that's actually doing that, that printing, that information can be read directly out of the file that the user, the designer created and used to set up the rip or the printer or what have you at production time. So that's, that's an example of automation, right? Yeah, it's very the, important. The, that we're enabling. And this is before we get to the world of, you know, are we going to have you know, laser cutters to cut out bits of fabric? Could we even have robots in the future to sew stuff together? There's a whole bunch of other things that we can do if we took up a whole management of the of the product lifecycle. Um, but I think e even the even the baby steps, um, which are very, very attainable in the short term, mm, um, will, will, will help us all to make quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. And just kind of leads us on to our next question, actually. Uh, as design software, do you think... Um, that software is a critical component to sustainable manufacturing and, and why do you think that's going to increase? I think it will. I think it definitely will. Um, I, the, there's lot, all sorts of wastage in our industry, as we know. Um, if wastage may not be the right word, inefficiencies, you know, and, and it doesn't matter whether or not you're thinking of, of having to print fabric, you know, tens of thousands of miles away and then ship it back to you before you can even see it or approve it. Um, you know, with, with more local printing uh, or bringing to, let's say, reshore some of the manufacturing processes, that will improve. Um, but but I think the, the ultimate is probably where we get to a, a situation where um, if I want to make a shirt and I want to use this particular fabric, and let's face it, somebody's probably ordered it um, online these days, because that's where a lot of retail is going, um, that we, as, as sort of just-in-time manufacturing becomes more commonplace in the apparel uh, and fashion industries, you know, n not only do we only make enough of the fabric for one garment, um, you know, if we only need three meters, we only print three meters, uh, and don't have to have warehousing and storage and all the rest of it. But maybe we only print on the areas of the of the fabric which are actually going to be part of the panels of our uh, of our garment and the wastage which we're going to have to cut off and and discard anyway. Maybe we don't even print on that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 
and and fifteen percent of production it, that that waste it goes straight onto the factory floor. It's incredible. Right, right, and so we can be more efficient. I mean, I, I know our, our our pattern makers and our and our people who are doing cutting today who are very skilled. You know, we'll get the most out of a bolt of fabric, absolutely. Um, and we can reduce, we can minimize the amount of wastage. But, you know, by only printing on the bits that actually will be within the cut areas, for example, I mean, there are very efficiencies we can definitely do there. And I think software software enables us to do that. I don't think we, we can't do that unless we can marry the world of the printing the fabric with the world of um, defining the, the cut patterns and, and marrying the two up. And I think that's a huge efficiency we'll be able to, uh, to leverage in the future. I guess it's really also going back to our, our conversation about embedding data within the files as well. If you if you look at how the future is going to change it to, into in a sustainable format towards augmented reality, um, and people purchasing things online, as you just said, that have never been made, it's so critical that the correct information is in that design file, so that the client can see that pattern printed onto silk chiffon neoprene whatever it's going to be printed on but because it's embedded within the design file which is working its way through the automated um, or, or reality programs in retail what you see on screen is always going to be a realistic impression of what you are going to purchase mm. um, and as you say it's absolutely critical for the future that we embed as much into that library that archive as, as possible right at the very beginning Things that you don't think you'll necessarily need, but somewhere right. down the pro down the line, they're essential. They used to end up in a plant chest, didn't they? Pieces of that were just getting all dusty in a plant chest, and you know, years later they'd get through anyway. But now that actual the integrity of that design and the the pattern of that design is going to be critical for its lifetime. It's its lifespan, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think well, this is one of the things that we were really keen on when we were created Adobe Textile Designer. Is, is as you're going through that design process, and you've you've brought in these elements. You know, we don't throw anything away. You bring in a high resolution scan, we keep it at high resolution all the way through. Um, and and a lot of the alternative techniques that are out there. You know, we hear people saying, well, if you're designing for fabric, you want to design at 150 DPI, or you mm -hmm. want to design at 300 DPI, and you can only use these colors. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Uh, but what happens in in ten years time when we don't want uh, you know three hundred DPI? We want six hundred DPI. No, you're you're right, gonna yeah. you're gonna redo all that work, or if you can retain all that information now, so that when you come to come back to your archives and want to redo something later on, you know you can you can make the most of the information that you've been saving. I mean that's a very that's a very simplistic example, but it's extremely common today. The uh, oh, the if me. you <laughs> tell me tell me tell me you know I used to have a massive archive um, in the business and. Um, you know, try as you will. Some some files get overwritten, and you would look at something, open it up, and you'd be like, "Oh, where's it gone? It's seventy-two DPI." And you can always reduce, but you can't bring it back up. And, Absolutely. Um, as you say, to be able to have that encrypted and locked, so it's always there forever, would be a lifesaver for all of us. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It would definitely. Oh, Mike, I'm so I'm so conscious that we're taking up too much of your time today, as I do talk too much. Um, are you okay to move to the last question? Uh, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Last question then. Um, we're all digital nomads, um, regardless of generation. Um, how do you see things evolving for the next five years? Which is um, doesn't sound so far, but I think our technology is moving so fast. I think maybe quite a lot could happen in five years. Where do you see us getting to? Oh, I think oh, maybe we've covered some of this in we the have, last half we have, hour yeah, as well. Recap. But, That's but, fine. but but if there's one thing, if there's one thing, I think I I, I can I have two. 
go for as many as you like. <laughs> All right. I think the two things, and I think they, they are to, to recap on them, things we've mentioned before. Yeah. I think we we are seeing a big growth in um, the number of designers that are coming into this industry and are able to to partake in it. Mm-hmm. And I think we've democratized it rather than you having to, you know, go to the big city, uh, to the big mill to go and ply your trade as a textile designer or, or working in fashion. You don't have to do that now. You literally can do it, That's you know, right. in, your, in your spare time at the weekend. Um, you can get into it. It, it is very accessible. Um, and, and I think that's where we are going to see a growth. Um, I, I think the, the, the second thing, and it's related to the first in some ways, is this whole message about making sure you communicate what you wanted to get and having your expectations set correctly so you don't go get too wildly excited. But this whole loop of um, capturing what your intentions were yet being shown what's achievable is another thing. It, it's, it's extremely important for, for the brands. Um, you know, they are, they are, they tread this path every single day and they do it by having a color expert on their staff, who is the one that goes out and and checks which colors are going to be achievable. And they come back and say, thou shalt only use these 200 (laughs) colors, right? Or these 2000 colors. And, and, and there's other reasons why you'd want to do that, of course, in terms of, you know, if you're a fashion brand and this is the palette that is going to be going to be popular in 2021. So there are other good reasons why you would want to do that. Um, but you know there are having chosen but these are the colors that are going to that are, are going to be popular in 2021 well which ones can you actually manufacture um you know which ones could you manufacture sustainably you know which ones could you um could you manufacture on a on a, on a wide range of different uh, fabrics and and that's a very time consuming process at the moment mm-hmm. and not all brands can afford to have somebody to go out and do that research for them so i think by enabling you know with technology enabling this making it much more accessible for um for those brands to do exactly what they want but make it also accessible for the smaller brands and even the freelancers and the independents so they they basically get access to the same um technology about defining what they want and 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 setting their expectations correctly i think that's going to that's a huge thing so we can bring more people in but also we can help them not to create stuff they don't like yeah, I think, I think the print industry is desperately trying to work towards that too. You know, there is no reason why, at all why you can't have an online archive of all the ICC profiles for the various machines or, you know, for um, for the print houses themselves to actually share those colour profiles so that the designer has specified and chosen a fabric. But in downloading that file from the mill, what you then create on screen, it can be within Gamut using using the correct software. Right, and it's I think unlocking it, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's it's basically being transparent, and the whole industry starting to collaborate more. I think. And collaboration is a good word for it. I mean, t- quite often, you know, in in the software industry, we see this the use of the word collaboration, and we, we tend to make think of it as being within your within your peers, right? The idea that two of you could be working on a document or a spreadsheet or a presentation, and you can be, you know, sitting in different countries and still editing the same slides or the same uh, the same uh, budget or something like that, yeah. but actually enabling collaboration up and down uh, the the supply chain from the designer um, all the way to the um, to the mill and everybody in between I think is going to be another opportunity for collaboration some people will see it as a threat um, because some people won't want to share you know, the details of exactly what they do and how they do it no, or, no way. yeah there's, there's always ways of getting around things right uh, yeah absolutely and 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 we have some technologies which will enable us to do this now. Frankly, there are some technologies which will need to evolve. 
Um, yes, you know, you, you mentioned ICC profiles, mm-hmm. and they are great, and they're great for the for the photography industry. They're of some limited use in in textiles mm-hmm. because they're great for showing you how you can reproduce a photograph. But when it comes to saying I want to achieve this particular color standard, this particular shade of green, an ICC profile doesn't necessarily tell you how to do that with a delta e of less than. For. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. which 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 we got very techy very very quickly but basically means that you're going to be able to see the difference you know if you yeah. if you really care about getting this particular shade we're going to have to evolve some of the technologies that we have in in the uh, digital software industry to actually allow you to communicate that but it's definitely doable it's definitely doable it's definitely part of the future isn't it absolutely yeah we have to move to be much more transparent and much more collaborative and I think um, the next generation too naturally collaborate. I think so. Yeah, mm. I, 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 I think so. I think we're kind of we're, we're getting used to this. I think you know, playing it back at you, you know, obviously here I am with the first story about me being a techno geek as a kid. Mm-hmm. We didn't call ourselves techno geeks as a kid. We call ourselves I don't know something else. <laughs> but being a technologist, you know, getting excited about the technology, I could get excited about the technology. But frankly, what motivates me now isn't so much the fact that oh, we shaved 30 seconds off, you know, this um, uh, um, particular yeah. design yeah. Uh, task. It's actually, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually looking at what the what the young designers are out there creating and the amazing yeah. content that they're able to design. And, and and you know, we we don't think about how difficult it is to make a phone call today, all right? Um, we we just call up our friends and. And from looking at what the design community are able to do today, you know, they, they don't have to worry about what the design community of 25 years had to do in terms of how they they use the software and we use these particular steps. If we can get the software out of the way and we can let the designers just design, just be creative, just take what's in their mind and just capture that. That's that's how we, my my cohort as technologists, want really want to be able to enable. Uh, this community is to just get the technology out the way, get what's in your mind into the computer so we can do amazing things with it later on. And the technology really needs to take a backseat to the the the, uh, the creativity of, of the people who are using it. Oh, that's great. Mike, thank you so much. I think that's the perfect comment to end on. <laughs> All great. right. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's a pleasure as always to chat and let's catch up soon. Absolutely. One last plug, adobe.com forward slash go forward slash textile designer. It's in public beta. If you've got a copy of Photoshop, you can go down there, download it, tell us what you think. We're interested in any and all feedback. Definitely collaboration. I'll make sure that everything is um, in the podcast notes online so people can click on there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.